Welcome to episode 16 of Keeping It a Hundo. I'm your host, Maddie Hundo, and it's good to be back. It's been a few weeks. The past week's been a tough one. The world lost a couple great people, people that influenced me. One of them who I personally knew, a guy by the name of Paul Grossman. Grew up with him. Uh, he's a good friend of my brother's, and I always looked up to him as a kid. Finally uh, passed after a long battle with cancer. We actually spoke about doing a podcast sometime this summer, and we just never got around to it, and he didn't make it. So he will be missed. And of course, the, the tragic death of Anthony Bourdain. Uh, I've never met Anthony Bourdain, but he probably influenced me more than anybody I never met. He made me see the world in a different way. I remember the first time I ever saw his show. My father and I were sitting around watching TV, and this is in like the early 2000s uh, when he was on uh, No Reservations. But man, we thought he was funny. He was insightful. He was just different than everybody doing it. He just made he just made it cool. I watched every episode he had of No Reservations, The Layover, and then Parts Unknown once he got on CNN, and I used it as a model for when I traveled. It really kind of changed my adult life. Like That became one of the most important things in my life. It kind of helped define me, and it was all just from, from seeing this guy on TV. I mean, of course, I wanted to see parts of the world based on people's stories, whether it was my grandparents talking about, you know back in the days in Italy and friends I grew up with from India or Greece, Dominican Republic and, you know, just different places I always wanted to go. He just made it seem so like such an option. And I, along with many people, followed his lead. He was the catalyst. I don't think it's a stretch to say that Anthony Bourdain is the father of modern travel. Like I said, he made traveling cool and created his own lane. Uh, he had a couple quotes that stuck out to me. I mean, he had a lot of great quotes, but a couple specifically that stuck out to me. As you move through this life and this world, you change things slightly. You leave marks behind, however small, and in return, life and travel leaves marks on you. Most of the time, those marks on your body or on your heart are beautiful. Often, though, they hurt. As celebrated as he was as a TV personality, I think he was underrated as a writer. From his Kitchen Confidential book to his introductions on his TV shows, I mean, the guy could the guy could write, the guy put words together in a beautiful way. And again, another influence on me, the way I do my opening monologues for this show even. Definitely, definitely pull from him. And obviously a guy who was in a lot of pain. I think that's part of the reason he resonated with so many people. But I can't stress enough how much he directly affected so many trips that I've taken in my life. I mean, I planned trips specifically just around Bourdain spots, like, oh, this is a Bourdain spot, so I know I can eat a good meal here. Oh, Bourdain went here and here. I remember in Paris specifically, I was there by myself, and I just followed 
Bourdain's itinerary to a T. And every single place I went to eat or to drink or to see was amazing. And it was all through him. And I appreciate what he did for the Me Too movement and the support he gave his girlfriend, Asia Argento, and her stuff with that slob Harvey Weinstein. I always found it interesting that he started getting tatted when he was in like his 50s. Kind of tells you where someone's head's at. I don't know why that just kind of stuck out to me. Just not something you start doing in your 50s. I can see you continue doing it in your 50s, but found that interesting. And I also found his issues with substance abuse interesting because he was a heroin addict. He had his problems with coke. And he continued to drink pretty heavily. And, you know, he smoked his weed. Mind you, this is all going on during his recovery. It's just not something I've seen addicts pull off successfully. Addiction just seems like an all or nothing type of thing to me. So I think if you continue to play with fire, you can definitely get burned. I don't know. Maybe he he made it work, but maybe it, it finally caught up to him. I, I don't know. Uh, I'd like to talk about stuff like that uh, in one of my episodes. I do have uh, a couple episodes planned that would touch on those type of subjects. But let's uh, move forward, and I'd like to leave you with one more Anthony Bourdain quote uh, that was somewhat prophetic, but I wish it was a lot more prophetic. He said, I'm definitely looking forward to the day when I stop working. If I ever stop working, I like the idea of keeling over in my tomato vines in Sardinia or northern Italy. That's how Vito Corleone went in The Godfather. Too bad it didn't end that way. But I'll leave you with this. Your body is not a temple. It's an amusement park. Enjoy the ride. From Anthony Bourdain. Now on to the show. Today's guest is Nick Friedman. Nick's a basketball junkie, a real grinder. He hosts an off-season workout program for NBA draft prospects. It's known as the Preparation, as well as the training he does with current NBA players. He also spent the last few years coaching in the NBA G League. And something I find really cool is he's a coach on the Haitian national team. And I met him when he was a graduate assistant at the University of Miami working under coach Jim Laranega. So this is another guest who I met on a basketball court and our relationship is rooted in basketball. We are also both from Boston. He's a Cambridge guy and he's a huge Celtics fan like I am. As a matter of fact, one of his main clients who he's very close with that we speak about in detail is Scary Terry, Terry Rogier, who I'd love to get on the podcast, so let's try to make that happen, Nick. But I thought this was a great week to put out an NBA draft-centric podcast and a basketball-centric podcast. We're in between the finals and the NBA draft. So we're going to do some draft talk, we're going to do some Celtics talk, and uh, some basketball junkie talk in general. Is Nick Friedman. Latin my senior high
high school, we played him in the state tournament. For Duxbury? No, I'm not from Duxbury. Oh, I always thought you, you said nah, you were from Duxbury. No, nah, I'm from Beverly. Oh, Beverly. Yeah, North Shore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I'm North not snobby Shore. South Shore. I'm naughty North Shore. Got it. Got it. And we played against Ewan. Oh. Wow. No, I'm not that old. Yeah. No, <laughs> I was about to say, you said you were 40. Ewan's, yeah. Ewan's up there. But yeah. We did Latin, play. Man. We, we got Ringe and Latin. They were number one in the state that year, as they are a lot Who'd of times. Who'd they have? Do you remember? Yep. Speaking of uh, Team Haitian, mm-hmm. uh, Franz Pierre, yep. Donnie Joseph, yep. Frankie Wilkins. Mm-hmm. Those are like their three guys. I know Donnie Joseph well. Yeah? Yeah, Donnie Joseph, I do know. I had to lock him up. That was my, my job. I did okay. all right, too. We were, we were, they were number one in the state. We were, man, we were, we were a D1 team, but we, we were like the smallest team in D1. Mm-hmm. And Ringe and Latin is a powerhouse, and we, we, we were up at the half. And then uh, they beat us by Was that in 10. a tournament game? Or was that, yeah, state oh, tournament. Oh, state tournament game. Yeah, it was uh, like D1 North semifinal, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, powerhouse, man. I mean, they're, they're, uh, they've won, I believe, two state championships in a row recently. Recently? But like the whole GBL got broken up. And yep. It's not the same that it used to be. But yep. they still got talent, man. Um, you know, those teams, the team that I was on that one year I went was, was solid, man. We had a lot of good players. Fortunately, a lot of them didn't end up going to, you know, really going to school. But yeah. um, you know, that program is really well run. Lance Dotton does a good job. So, yep. you so you went to Ridge and Latin for a year. So and I started at uh, Beaver Country Day, oh, okay. um, which the home of uh, Wayne Turner. Wayne Turner. Yep. When I was in high school. Yeah, yeah, yep. and he was my high school coach for a year. For real? Yeah, he came back um, and uh, was awesome. Like that was a hell of a mentor for me. And uh, after three years at Beaver, I'd always wanted to go to Ridge and Latin and. You, know, you grew up in Cambridge? I grew up in Cambridge. You know, I was in love with that school. I was in love with the head coach and, you know, went over, made the transfer over. We had a really good team. We went to the uh, semifinals um, of the tournament, lost to BC High. And, you know, I wanted to join that squad and kind of things went north and uh, or south, rather. And I, I didn't really get too much burn. You know, had some strained relationships and stuff, but... You know, it is what it is. It made me a better person. It made me realize, like, ultimately, my my goal in life in this basketball thing is to be a coach. You know, and a development guy, and 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 uh, that's what I've fallen in love with. So you knew that at a young age. You, you know, to I always had it. the thought. You know, I was always doing you know the Steve Nash workouts, like just grinding by myself and being creative and coming up with you know with drills. And I was fortunate enough to have a very uh, an outstanding mentor and uh, coach Nakuma Jones. Uh, shout out Coach Jones, and you know he and I would spend you know four or five hours in the gym per day, and you know he's the one who really helped instill the motor I you know I have these days on the floor. You know he along with my dad, who's you know 80 years old, that guy works from 6 a.m. to 12 p.m. every single day, and uh, you know those two guys have been huge influences in terms of my work ethic, and you know it's just uh, created you know the man I am today. So you're a diehard Celtics fan like me well you were I know you have allegiances now and whatnot no see the thing is about me man it's it's diehard forever I think that's an interesting thing about fandom it's like you always kind of kind of kind of got to take a step back when you work in the league and you know kind of realize your roots and your beginnings and for me it's like you know I was at that game six when LeBron uh you know went for 45 and you know took our took our hearts out and and beat the big three when you know we thought or no, it wasn't the big three. It was just KG and Pierce. Ray had Benedict Arnold dust and uh, bounced. Yep. Um, Rondo was there. Yeah, Ron. That's when Rondo was balling. Yeah. But uh, 
you know, it's just it's something you always got to, you know, you always got to remember your roots and, um, you know, I'll always be a Celtic fan. Which makes it pretty cool that you've been working with Terry Rogier. Yeah. Scary yeah. Terry's one of your, your main guys, right? Yes. Yeah, scary Terry, man. It's crazy. He's, he's become a Boston icon. It's wild. Like, and it's all a product of, you know, what that dude puts into his grind. Like, it was amazing being with this dude, you know, for two months this summer and like, his, you don't see a guy going into his, his third year like approach it as if this is like his getting ready for the NBA draft, right? Like, you know, a guy gets into his third year, he's kind of comfortable in his, you know, in the position he's in. Yeah, he may try to elevate his work ethic, but not to a Especially certain point. Especially he's in a situation where he's not competing for a starting job. Like they have Kyrie coming in. Right. It's not like, oh yeah, you're competing with Kyrie to be the starter. He's a set backup point guard. But you know what? But he, he came in with the mentality. He came in the mentality from day one we started working out that he wanted to be the starter on this team. And mm -hmm. He was going to do what it takes. And, you know, the first and foremost goal was to, you know, try to separate himself from Marcus Smart, um, you know, and, and things fell the right way. And, you know, he controlled what he can control. And, you know, when he got that opportunity, he blew, man. And, uh, you know, he's, he deserves it. He, his family deserves it. You know, you don't see a lot of guys like that just putting the time and effort and hours to – you know, become the best that they can become, you know. I read some pretty cool stories about his family and his relationship with his sister. Mm -hmm. Just a, a guy I definitely root for. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy, man. How it's, did you link up with him? Um, so I had known Terry, you know, I, I watched him a lot when I was a grad assistant and a manager at the University of Miami. You know, I was a big fan since day one. And, like, you know, I had the opportunity to, to help with his pre-draft process when Cody Topper was running it. Um, you know, and I worked him out a couple of times and, you know, he and I developed somewhat of a relationship and kind of stayed in touch. And I was really close with his agent, Aaron Turner. Um, you know, I'd been running pre-draft for him and, uh, I watched him his first two years in the league and I was like, man, like we can get way more out of this dude. It's just, you know, it's a confidence thing and it's a, it's a matter of just tweaking some things mentality wise. He wasn't as aggressive as he was at Louisville. He wasn't downhill. Um, he was more passive than usual, and some of that has to do with system. Um, you know, he's a guy who really, really wants to play the right way and do what Brad is going to tell him to do. But sometimes, you know, you see with these guys, like, they have to be willing to take risks. And Terry is a guy who thrives when he has to take risks. Um, and that was the mentality that we wanted to in, to help build this summer, and it translated, you know. And that's that's on him, man. Like, at the end of the day, like, you got to be the one to put on the shoes. You got to be the one to put the ball in the basket. It comes down to when guys, uh, you know, put the work in and you see it, see it pay off. It's just, it's awesome. I'm here with Nick Friedman, uh, coach of the Northern Arizona Suns. Assistant coach. Assistant coach of the Northern Arizona Suns in the G League. Also an assistant coach with Team Haiti. Team Haiti, Haitian national team. Yep. Yep. And running uh some pre-draft workouts uh with a lot of uh nba prospects right now the preparation 2018 so tomorrow you have a pro day yep so we'll have a um an event um for 19 total players we've got a great lineup with kevin knox who will be a lottery pick ray spaulding who's an interesting kind of stretch four stretch kentucky five. guy louisville guy louisville guy um no kentucky knox, oh, kentucky louisville, knox Spalding. Yep. and then dang adele as well who's a louisville guy yep. and then we've got you know some some fringe dudes you know i think a two-way level potential second round picks and elijah stewart and trayvon blewett and brandon sampson to kembe dixon um we've got good players you know these, this is an event where you know you got to do your due diligence if you're a scout you know you got you know a guy like knox is going to be a lottery pick 
guys like Dang Adele who you know are being written off as draft picks, but in my opinion are going to have long careers in the NBA. And then you got guys who are going to have to grind it out, you know, through the G League, and I think ultimately they have the upside to be productive players, you know, in time. Um, so you know, if you're a scout, this is a wide variety of players that can help your organization. Just from looking at your Instagram and speaking to you in the past about this, some of the other guys you worked on for their draft was, you know, Terry, and mm-hmm. you had Dennis Smith Jr. Yep. Abdel Nader. Yep. Torian uh, Prince. Torian Prince mm-hmm. played had a great season for the Hawks. Right. Um, who else? Who else in the league now have you been working with? Um, Antonio Blakeney, um, yep. who's a two-way guy, I think will really break through on an NBA contract. Kobe Simmons is in the si- same situation with Memphis. Derek Jones Jr. with the Miami Heat. Yep. Crazy um, hops. Yep. Yep. Uh, Tim Quarterman, who's a kind of a you know, guy. Yep. Who was with the Rockets? Had a ten-day with the Rockets this year. You know, it's been a good group thus far. So the interesting thing about the G League is nobody wants to be there. That's that's kind of the funny part of it to me. Of course, you're 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 grateful for your opportunity there, but mm-hmm. nobody's destination is the G League. Like, oh, that's where I want to be. It's not your goal. Yeah. Your goal is to get the fuck out of there. Right. So, you were coaching there. Do you spend one, two seasons there? Well, I've um, I started out uh, with the RGV Vipers, the G League affiliate for the Houston Rockets. That's right. Um, you know, I was there. Was Darren Morey your contact there? Or? Yeah, um, you know, Cody Toppert was really the guy who got me, you know, got me in. You know, I know Daryl, I know all those guys. I know Morey has those Boston connects. So. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. But I, I really took a leap of faith, man. I was a grad assistant at the University of Miami, and uh, you know, I, I liked college basketball. I love Coach Larinaga. I, I built phenomenal relationships with the players I worked with, with Angel Rodriguez and Davon Reed and DeAndre Burnett. You know, I consider those guys brothers to me. And college wasn't really for me, you know, and I took a leap of faith right before the college season started and took a volunteer intern spot with the RGV Vipers and just kind of ran with it, you know, and, you know, the RGV River, Rio Valley. Rio Grande Valley, right on the border of Mexico, McAllen, Texas, stand (laughs) up. We've had a guest on before who spent some time in McAllen, Texas playing baseball. Oh, no way. Yeah. Awesome. Cesar Carrillo. Okay. Yeah, I like McAllen a lot. Underrated part of the United States. (laughs) Great Mexican food. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I took a leap of faith and just kind of like essentially volunteered, interned. And the G League's awesome for anybody who's an aspiring, you know, NBA coach because you get so much responsibility. They really trust you. They trust you because they don't have a big staff. Yeah. You know, and it's like... You go down there, and you know we've got Isaiah Taylor, who's the best player on you know, at the University of Texas. Gary yeah. Payton, Junior, uh, Troy Williams, who now plays in the New York yeah. Knicks. Kyle Welcher played Gonzaga. Yeah. You know, was on the Houston Rockets roster. Shannon Owaku, who's a second-round pick. Chris Walker, former McDonald's All-American. Yeah. Chris Johnson, who played for the Utah Jazz. Darius Morris, who was a second-round pick for the uh, Los Angeles Lakers a couple years back. These are so guys you've had the last couple of years. We had them on our team last year. This past year in Northern Arizona? No, on at RGV oh, the, the RGV year before. Okay. So it's like those are all high level players. So I mean, it's I've, like I've heard of all of them. I mean, they're all have made it to the league at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a really good team. We went to the G League finals. We lost to Jerry Stackhouse and the Raptors nine oh five. It was a hell of an experience. And um, you know, after the season I, I took a job with the main Red Claws, the Boston Celtics affiliate, and I was Oh, man, it was a hell of an experience, man. Just getting in with the Boston Celtics, being right. there for tra- you know Celtics training camp, being there in like the month of August, just kind of you know being in the gym and working guys out, and um, you know it was like wow, like looking up to a guy like Danny Ainge and being on the court with him and talking player development, it was surreal. Four months, you know, three about three months into the job, right before the G League season started, 
my guy Cody Topper, who was with me in RGV, hits me up and is like, hey, you know, I'm going to probably be the head coach for the Northern Arizona Suns. I need you to come with me. And, you know, this is a dude who's looked out for me for four years now, and I knew he needed my help, and it was a chance for me to, to have an elevated role as the, the head of the offense for, you know, an organization, and that was something that I think that I, I needed now. And it was a hell of a decision. Those are the kind of relationships you really have to foster, too. Like, you know, right. you get, get a guy like that who's climbing up the ladder. You need to, and he's helped you along the way. Yeah. You definitely have to. But it's like, you know, you're kind of faced with the decision of you work so hard to put yourself in the, the position to work for the team you've idolized your yeah. whole life. And then now you got to make a decision to leave. Not like, to mention the Celtics are like a first class organization. First class. As good every, as anybody. As good as anyone, if not better. Yeah. You know, they, they were cordial, they were supportive, and it just speaks volumes to, to, you know, who they are, you know, to let a guy like me, you know, leave. Um, and I'm very thankful for that, and I'm very thankful for their support. Um, Who's the head coach with the Red Claws? Brandon Bailey, grinder. Okay. Longtime video guy for the Celtics. Okay. You know, he's, he's the definition of hard work, really good dude. So how'd you get involved with Team Haiti? Whew, man, that's a long one. So... My guy, Jordan Flegel, who's from Cambridge, who played at Ringe, actually, started a company called Coach Up, and I was interning for him in college. And, uh, you know, we hadn't talked in a, about a year or so, and I was following him on Facebook, and I saw all these photos of him in Haiti. And uh, Yeah, not a top destination spot for vacation. So when even you though see it's beautiful, Haiti, though. Right, right. Yeah. I have friends that go there a lot. Yeah. But most of them are doing charity work. Yeah, it's beautiful. The pictures and, look cool. Yeah. No, it's it's a great spot. I mean, it's it's eye-opening and the, the poverty in and of itself is beautiful in a lot of ways but uh you know I, I was following his activity and I saw he posted uh something about them trying to create a, a national basketball team so you know I sent him a congratulatory congratulatory text you know it's amazing you're doing this type of work and he immediately called me he was like are you interested in getting involved in the national team as our player development coach I was like absolutely I would love to and from then, it was kind of just like full go. Um, I connected with a guy by the name of Pierre Valmera, who start, has started this awesome nonprofit called Power Forward that brings kids over from Haiti and puts them in schools to develop as athletes in the United States. And his program actually brought over Scal LeBizier, mm-hmm. uh, who you know, who's plays for the Sacramento Kings now. You know, we connected. He connected me with the president of the Basketball Federation. And this summer, myself and uh, our head coach, Matt Brazzi, who's with the Houston Rockets, and Cody, who's with the Phoenix Suns, we went over there and uh, met the Federation and met some government leaders and really started to strategize uh, you know, over how we can get this thing off the ground. And you know, it's been difficult for sure. There's not a lot of trust in terms of raising money for, you know, for Haitian initiatives. But you know, this is way bigger than basketball. It's like you go over there and They've got one, you know, they just built an Olympic training facility, but like in Port-au-Prince itself, or, you know, in that, you know, that region, there's only two indoor gyms and you can't get in there at all times. There's not like, it's not like you can go to a Dick's Sporting Goods and pick up a basketball. Like there's literally not enough basketballs for everybody to have. That's crazy. You know, it's, and it's wild. Like, you know, it's a sport where in Haiti you go around, you, you're constantly seeing kids between 6'6 six, six and 6'9". Six, you know, and it's too late for them to come over for basketball purposes because they're just too old. Yeah. And, you know, by developing a, a basketball culture in Haiti, I think you can do an incredible, incredible amount of good for the country. And really, that's the whole 
foundation behind what we're doing is to create a basketball culture through a successful national team that can also ultimately inspire a youth. Sure. And if we can create a basketball culture in Haiti, I just think socioeconomically there can be a lot of good done. So Yeah. Foster some pride in the in the nation. And, and we're whatnot. good. We got a chance to be good. Like people don't realize Haitians have good players. Nerlens Noel, Caddy Lalane, who was a former draft pick for San Antonio Spurs and played at UMass. Scal, James Sutherland, former Syracuse Orangeman, um, who's been you know grinding out in the G League, good player. We've got essentially 15 Division One current players who are of Haitian nationality. Um, you know, so it's like if those guys can come over here and be successful, and you know, not a lot of them are are guys who came who were born in Haiti. But what you know, what could we do when? We actually create a basketball culture in Haiti. We start having actual Haitian, you know, guys who were brought up and born in that country, you know, turn into ballers. A lot, a lot of countries do that anyway. They take guys who are American, and you know, yeah, if they have the bloodlines, then for sure, um, for sure. So, I have a list of Haitian basketball players here. Oh, you left a couple out. One of them's a big surprise, but I have some. I don't know. Let if me you get. Know. Let yeah. me let me guess a couple of them. I have about six or seven guys who are like pretty well known. Like are NBA they current? Guys. Uh, most of them. Jeff Adrian? No. I mean, he's. He, I saw him on the list, but yeah. uh, and I remember him from, you know, Boston. Is Curry everything. Haitian? No. I thought he was somewhat Haitian. Um, I don't know if he was mom. You named, was. You named Scal. You named Nerlens. Um, you got a couple other, like, big one from the 90s. Well, old and Polynesian. There you go. So yeah. he's probably, he might even be involved with you guys because he's such a... Yeah, humanitarian. I, I haven't heard much from him. Okay. Um, Sam Dallenbear. Exactly. Yeah. That's one of them. Yep. And one I found in my recent... Okay, well, another um, a Massachusetts college connection from back in the day. Mario Ellie. Yeah. He went yeah. to AIC in Springfield. Yeah, he's Haitian, huh? Yep. And then another surprise that I found was Blake Griffin. Yeah, I heard that Blake has some type of Haitian uh, nationality. That's, I mean... Hey, if we can get Blake to right. come, come hoop that. with us. You guys should make some type hey, of Blake, proposal I'm shot, to him. Hey, Blake, I'm shouting you out right now. I need you to come hoop for Haiti, man. There you go. Come hoop for Haiti. We got our first event in Suriname this June. I don't know if we can get you a passport in time because I don't know if legally we can do that, but come join our cause, man. He can't wait to go to Suriname, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, better than Detroit. Yeah. Just make sure you get that yellow fever uh, shot. <laughs> it's required, I think. I'll uh, I'll tag him in this uh yeah, shout him out. Shout him out. So I also saw you did some coaching with a former idol of mine, Dante Calabria. I did. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, we ran a pro day together three years back. Great dude. Where Where was that? That was in um, at Chaminade High School, and that was like the first pre-draft I had run. Um, Chaminade here in Broward. Chaminade in Broward. Yep. And we had kind of a similar setting. We had more players. We had like thirty players. Okay. And uh, great event, awesome. We held it down, we ran it together, and good dude, man. So when I was in high school, he was at UNC. Mm-hmm. He was like, I don't know, maybe three years older than me. Yeah. And, you know, he was like the best three-point shooter in the country and playing for the best team in the country. Yeah. And I kind of resembled him. I had the same hair. Did you really? I had, yeah, I had like curly-ish hair. That's when like I, that's like hair. similar to when I say I had Steve Nash hair when I was in high school, and like now it's like I'm thinning. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, I got rid of mine a while ago. But I used to have the hair, so people used to call me that in the Italian situation and all that. And I had a T-shirt made that said Calabria 24 on the back, and mm-hmm. I used to wear it to practice every day. And really? my boy used to wear a Vashon Leonard 
shirt. Bashan yeah, that Leonard. was his guy. I was Dante, and he was Bashan. Where did Bashan Leonard play college basketball? Minnesota. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. He was at Minnesota when Dante was at UNC. Former three-point shooting uh, contest champ, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Played for the Heat. Yep. Yep. So, uh, so bring it full circle. I was visiting one of my best friends, Elton Tyler, who's going to be on the podcast this summer. Played at UM, mm-hmm. and he also played over in Italy. Oh, okay. And uh, I was over there visiting him in Italy, and he was playing against Dante. Mm-hmm. So before the game, I was like, yo, I got to meet Dante. So he brought me down the court to, to meet Dante during shoot-around and everything. So that was cool. And I got to I got to tell Dante the stories about high school and whatnot. So Yeah, Dante's a good dude, man. Real good dude. Yeah. And, and, and funny thing was, is like I looked like this. My hair was shaved like this, mm-hmm. and he had hair like yours but he had like the big bald the big spot bald, right there like and he was pot. like Dante you had the nicest head of hair and so did I but neither of us do anymore I like to think I did back in the day as well <laughs> exactly what's the next step did, can you talk about that yet I yeah, know you're I getting mean, some phone calls the last you know, couple of days the ultimate goal is look like I love my favorite part of working in basketball is like helping guys who are borderline guys like reach that next level and achieve their dream, you know, and that's why the G League is such an interesting environment for me because you got all these guys, you know, day in and day out putting the work in to just take that next step. And when you see it happen, like a, for a guy like Shaquille Harrison or Josh Gray or Xavier Silas, who I, I coach this year, it's like it's unbelievable, you know, because you're day in day out in the trenches working. You know. Xavier got that ten day with yeah, the Celtics. Yeah, Celtics. Yep, yep. Well deserved. Had a great year, you know, a lot of guys. He was in the big three, right? He was in the big three. A lot of guys yeah. his age, at you know, at age close to 30, you know, would be written off and told it's the wrong move to be in the G League. Why don't, you know, why not go overseas and make some money? And the dude was the definition of relentless and, you know, he stayed with it and, and made it happen, you know, and it's a huge step for his career, whether it be in basketball or after basketball. So you're going to be working with the Phoenix Suns this year? That's that's the goal. We're kind of waiting to see how things unfold. Not entirely sure what the status of the whole staff is. Obviously, they just hired a new head coach and Igor, um, who's phenomenal. Yep. All reports that I've heard is that he's, he's awesome, brilliant basketball mind, super detail-oriented, and just a good dude who can relate to players. I would love to work for him, and uh, just right now it's kind of a waiting game, and just continue to control what I can control, and work these guys, you know, out with my pre-draft company, and you know, help them achieve their dreams. And you know, right now it's to help guys like Kevin Knox, Ray Spalding, Dang Adele, like all these guys elevate their stocks and help them uh, help them achieve their dreams. What's his name? Igor what? Kachulachov. Kachulachov. I know he's a Slovenian national coach, yeah. but is he Slovenian? I'm not sure. Okay. I don't know. I'm not I got to sure do either. my research. So I got to see Luka Doncic play when he was 16 Where? over in Madrid wow. at a Real Madrid game. My friend works for Real Madrid. What are your thoughts? Um, just watching him as a 16-year-old, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, my God, this guy's going to be amazing. Because there was so much buzz about him. Yeah. And he was playing with these guys that were all like – ex-NBA guys and like top line grown men European grown men do you know this guy Sergio Yule I do so he the Rockets own his rights yeah that guy's unbelievable yeah he'd be a star in the NBA and he was he was their their main guy they had Rudy Fernandez mm-hmm. I mean they had all these so much talent and yeah. he he was still probably like the most skilled guy there you know at 16 I like haven't been able to watch him much to be honest with you but I never realized that he's like a full 6'8 yeah, he's big. Yeah, um, you know I've heard I've heard great. He wasn't reports. six eight when I saw him. Oh, he was. Yeah, he's probably six five, six yeah. six, but could handle. Could he has that like you know that like that little 
passing flair. Like he yeah. knows how to pass. I've he has eyes like unbelievable on every side of his head. He just has like a like a Ben Simmons, like just like a natural instinct. He's to like do the things. one guy I haven't really done my research on. You know, it's gonna be an interesting class. You always say it's gonna be interesting uh, every single year. Like, right. wow, this draft class is gonna be good. Well, it's you know, the level of talent entering the league these days is through the roof. I mean. Like, not to be a biased supporter, but a guy like Kevin Knox who's being talked about as, like, the 15th pick. Like, that's an You eighth. think that's a steal? Oh, man. I mean, first off, I would be beyond shocked if he ever fell that far. I, I think he's a top 10 pick for sure. I just think it's, like, being an 18-year-old who, you know, Kentucky, I think, did a good job of, you know, showcasing his strengths as a shooter and, like, to have a guy at six nine run off run off you know pin downs and down screens and catch and shoots at difficult angles like is a huge plus for a guy at that size, but you know he wasn't really able to showcase his ability to put the ball on the floor and like this whole pre-draft process, you know what's become apparent is that he can be a very productive pick and roll player you know who can can, can handle at angles and get his own you know he's got a you know obviously so he's, six, eight, he's a legit six nine. Six, nine. And right now he's he hasn't even turned 19. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he turns 19 in August. But the kid has a world filled of upside, and like he can play positions two through four in the NBA. And I think once he develops physicality and he gets stronger, I think that question of can he play the four in the league will be answered. Um, and he he's got a reliable character. He's a great kid. He comes from a great background. His dad played in the NFL for the Arizona Cardinals. You know, he's somebody who's instilled a lot of great habits in the kid. You know, like I said, I trust his character. I trust his reliability. And with talents like that, with, with backgrounds like that, like, you know, I just think they're no-brainers, you know. So. so you got any sleepers in this year's draft? Like, everybody's talking about the first, you know, 15, and everyone knows they're going to yeah. do something. But I think, you got anybody um, else? You know, again, this is – this may sound biased, but another guy I work with with Ray Spaulding. You know, he's somebody who a lot of people consider a project and that he is. And will he play consistent minutes in the NBA next year? I don't know. I, th- I think the league is very, very good right now. I think he's a guy who may have to spend the whole year in the G League. but He's projected like mid to late second round. Yeah, yeah. But he's a dude, man. He shot 25 threes at Louisville. He, they made him more or less a rim runner and a guy who's going to, you know, early post, duck in. And he's a dude who needs to play in the perimeter a little bit and mix it up and he can pop he can shoot he can play off the catch he's an unbelievable athlete and he's a again another guy with a reliable character he's a yes sir no sir you know he's not doing it just because you know it's the pre-draft process and he needs to change perceptions about how hard he plays I love the kid I think he's really good um, and I think he's a sleeper I think Dang Adele to be honest with you is a dude who's been written off you know I've seen him go at Ben Simmons in high school when he was playing for Victory Rock. And as a sophomore, I think had he left Louisville, he would have been a draft pick for sure. You know, these Australians, man, they work their asses off. You know, he's a guy like, I don't know if you know DJ Facilovich from Miami. Yeah, yeah. But, like, that dude is a grinder. Is he? Not a particularly great athlete. But he looks like he doesn't work out at all. That's yeah, the but he is, like, like, one of the most phenomenal work ethics I've ever been around. And Dang Adele is, you know, cut from the same stone. You know, again, reliable character, reliable motor, and talent. Like, that takes you a long way. And, like, all three of those guys, in my opinion, are, you know, are of those type of guys. So I know you work with these guys on the court. You do, you know, a lot of hands-on development stuff. You're in there work actually doing the drills with them. Mm -hmm. 
do you prepare them for pre-draft stuff like the questions that they face with teams and things like that? You know, I don't I don't particularly deal with all of that. You know, my goal is in terms of like the mental is to help them understand who they are in the NBA, whether or not they have to fully embrace being a role player. You know, you got these guys that are coming from high major programs as being their best player and, you know, it becomes a reality check when you're no longer the focal point, you know, and like helping some of these guys understand that, you know, or helping some of these guys understand that they need to be more than role players at the next level. They need to, you know, fully assert themselves um, and become more alpha. Um, so it's really helping these guys understand who they are, you know, and how they can, you know, how they can really maximize themselves mentally with that regard. In terms of helping them with questions, you know, it's like, if I'm talking to a guy who's clearly a four or five and he's talking to me about being a three or two, you know, helping them understand the reality of like their projected role and position, stuff like that. My goal throughout the pre-draft process is helping them build professional habits on the court, right? Like I'm going to talk to a guy obviously off, you know, about their habits off the court, but if you're on time, you're late. Making, you know, understanding that perception is reality. You know, that playing the right way goes a long way, and in my opinion, is the only way. You know, so really thinking, thinking about their, you know, professionalism on another level, and that's all ultimately my, my goal. So. To your point about knowing your role, I have a funny story, and I won't divulge the source, but uh, Dwight Howard, kind of a reputation of being a clown around mm-hmm. the league. Uh, I heard a funny story that last summer. He was trying to get, you know how um, this Chris Brickley guy, yeah. he works with a lot, like KD and Melo and all. He has like all these like threes and wings that he works with a lot. Right. And Dwight Howard was trying to get a hold of him to work with him to become a three. And he was like, and nobody wanted to return his calls. It was like, is this guy serious? He's like, I want to be a three-point shooter. I want to be a wing. I want to be a three. I need you to turn me into a three. And everybody, it was like a big joke around. That's wild. Isn't that funny? That's baffling. Right? <laughs> and then this dude was like, I'm not returning his calls. And then he ran into him, and I guess, I don't, oh. I don't know Brickley, so this didn't come from him. Oh, oh Brickley was saying like he wasn't answering his calls? That's what I heard. Good for him, <laughs> Good for him man. That's funny, though. Yeah. Uh, so back to the, uh, the, the, the draft questions and stuff like that. I'm going to put you through some of the questions. Okay. And that's not the keeping it a hundo segment of the show. This is the pre-draft questions segment this is to prepare you to prepare them okay all right have you ever been punched in the face i have so you've been in fights fist fights been in you know a couple couple little scrap scraps here and there okay back in the day i i, I don't know if you heard the Raja bell podcast i have you, not yet no okay. i need to though he was talking uh, uh what's his name dude on the bucks he was, i think he's a rookie this year on the bucks he might have been a second round pick sterling brown no nope. uh Rashad Vaughn. Rashad Vaughn. Yes. He had Rashad. So he's maybe second or third year. He had Vaughn in when he was with Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And he asked him, have you been punched? Oh, no. Maybe he heard this from somebody else. Damn. I can't remember which one. I'm screwing it up. But you'll hear it if you listen to that podcast. And Vaughn was like, he's never been in a fight. And he's just like, next. Like, how have you never been in a fight? Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you have to have a little dog. Yeah, you got to have. I mean, you know. Whether to. it's on the basketball court or in the schoolyard or whatever, like for sure. Yeah. So just like that's where that question came from. What are the weaknesses in your game? If you were your game, Nick Nick Friedman's game. You know, it's a matter of just consistent confidence, man. Like it's like some days you feel like, you know, you can make you make eight threes in a row and some days you just feel as if 
you literally are going to airball every single shot. You know, it's something like I struggled with as a player myself my whole career. And like, it's something it's like that, after you miss a bunch of shots yeah, and your confidence is you down know, and you don't like, want to take that shot. That's, you know, everyone goes through that. I was always the type of guy where it's like, you know, I'm small. I was really a, a division three prospect through and through just because I'm a small dude. And, you know, I feel you. you know, I had, I had my moments where it was like, you know, Nick Freeman could play division one, you know, at a lower level, but it's like your consistency of confidence levels. And that's something that has, you know, I've taken from my experience and have tried to help guys with that at this level a lot. And I think I can relate with regards to the mental aspect of, of performance, sure. you know? What's you, what sets you apart from other guys in this draft? Like Aaron Winchell's stats are just as good as yours. He is. His yeah. measurables are just as good. You know, I think like if you're trying to talk to me in terms of like, are you asking that from if I were a player or if like in terms of separating me in this draft from other guys, development coaches? No, player. As a player? Yeah. Oh. Speak like about your, oh, your shit. skill okay, set. All right. your, so my skill set, you yeah. know, I just think I'm an elite passer. You know, I think I'm a guy who... This can, sets you apart from I'm Aaron. like a Doncic. I'm like a 5'9 Doncic. A 5'9 Doncic. Yeah. That's well, no, really com- call me Dan Dickow. That's Dick- your comp. Call me, call me Dan Dickow. <laughs> Dan Dickow. That's, that's my nickname. Oh, I forgot about him. Yeah. Dan Dickow's me. So, you know, I think Dan... What well, Dan was a first-round pick. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so sometimes, like, the guys who play the right way and, you know, who emulate John Stockton in a way, like, those yeah. guys... We need those dudes in the NBA, man. So right. that's There's that's a place me. for them. Yeah. Was your mother a prostitute? Hell no. Look me in the eye. Okay, you yeah, sure? She was not a prostitute. Okay. Yeah, she's a very lovely Jewish lady. All right. <laughs> have you ever been with a man sexually? I not. No. No. Do you have a problem with that? No, not at all. My sister's. You know, my sister is a prideful uh, lesbian, and okay. uh, I, I support. So. You passed that question. Yeah. Why do you like wearing your socks around the court? Sometimes with no man, shoes on. You gotta, li- you gotta feel as if you're living in the gym. That's it, man. It's, it's all about love for the game, Coming baby. like one with the court? If you were to evaluate me on motor, I'd pass every single test. No question. All right. We've reached the keeping in the hundo segment of the show. This is, uh, if you've heard the show before, you know how it works. Questions might be out of left field. Some of them will be uh, relevant to some of the things we already spoke about. Top five Celts of your lifetime that you've actually got to see play. So like Bill Russell. Okay, so these top five, my favorite Celts of all time. We can do either one. We can do your favorite or the best. Let's do favorite. I like favorite. favorite. Because I have like personal favorites that don't make a list. So Marquise Daniels, this is no order, but Marquise Daniels. (laughs) Yeah, Swiss Army Knife. um, Milt Palacios. Oh my God. Scott Pollard. Had to be. Did you ever go to Celtics games when Scott was there? I was and at they did all those. The, I was at all. I was living in Boston. Welcome to a mythical, like a magical forest. He would do like that. Like that was just he's goat yep. for that. Yeah. Uh, Pierce, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of like rounding that out, um, I mean, I probably say I have to have to say Antoine Walker. Wow, the shimmy. Yeah. Employee number eight. I'd say all-time Celtic greats, Pierce, KG. Like you know. I'm not gonna go go back and evaluate, you know, the bird. I'm not gonna talk about the bird era. You weren't old enough. Yeah, that's not me. So I'm gonna talk about. You, do we put Ricky Davis in that category? <laughs> I don't know. Favorites. That dude got you off keep for him a in while. favorites. He, yeah, he's but in they favorites. They were so bad then when he was. Yeah, getting he was off. bad. Those teams had some. Oh, you know who I also throw into the favorites category is Tony Batie's brother. Yeah. Because every single time I would go to games, that yep. dude would always be in like Derek. sections and just yeah. Oh, he played the Temple. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was with Pierce when Pierce got stabbed up. He was. Yep. Oh, wow. Um, which I heard that situation was reckless. Yep. But uh, 
who else um, in terms of Celtic greats? Rondo. Um, and, you know, I'm going to have to throw my guy T. Rose in there. You have to. Yeah. That's great, man. I could talk Celtics all day. Yeah. Who's the hottest working player you ever trained? Terry. Wow, not even scary close. Scary Terry. Yeah, not even close. Love to hear that. Yeah. What's GMB chum mean? Uh, I think they've changed that GMB slogan a lot. I don't know what the exact meaning of it is right now. I thought it was get money boys for a while, but I might be sounding like a clown for saying that. Yeah. Um, I thought it was something like that, but that was just me guessing. I don't know about chum. I'm not sure where chum comes from. All right. That's uh, Terry's Instagram name. Yeah, and his rap name, I believe. <laughs> does he spit? Yeah, he does. Yeah? Yeah, he's more of like a, like kind of like one of those dudes, like a little dark, little baby type. But uh, he's, you know, I wouldn't know if he's a lyric, that much of a lyricist, but his shit goes, man. I like yeah. his stuff, yeah. Uh, so I got a message from one of my friends uh, who plays, and he's like, is Terry, does your boy Terry throw up gang signs after he hits threes? And I was like, kind of looks like it. <laughs> hey, I won't speak on that. So that's it's pretty me. funny that that's uh, for, for, people uh, notice that, though. Yeah, no, he's he's a genuine dude, man. He he does he does what you know Terry Terry does, and he doesn't change, and that's why it's, he's he's gonna be a Boston legend if they if if we can decide to find a way to keep him. So, so let's take a side note and move over to that. I want I really want to be able to keep this team that they have right now. I mean yeah, they have an impossible. amazing thing right, but I think short term they can do it. I think they can keep them for like two years if they can keep smart and Terry. Yeah. With these this well, the core thing group about the, right now. It's like this Terry situation's interesting because it's like, yeah, you know, you could demand a trade, but really they don't have to trade him. Um and unfortunately it's like he had this breakout year and a year where it's not he, he's not a restricted free agent. Right. You know, so it's a matter of, I think, really it comes down to are they going to commit to him or are they going to commit to Marcus Smart? And right. I think, like, you're either going to have to let Marcus go or you lose Terry, you know, ultimately. But, you know, do you trade Jalen Brown? Like, do you trust Jalen Brown's feel to ultimately be a separating factor in winning championships and just getting there? Does the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Hayward – threesome like how does that end up working I, I think having been around him I think you can do it but it's also just a lot of players it um, is. and a lot of high level guys I do think they ultimately like are going to need a center they need a guy who can, I don't you don't think so no I don't interesting because any of the issues they had this postseason I would they weren't a bad rebounding team this no, year they weren't a bad rebounding team they need a little rim protection yeah I would say that but I just think with that good of a shooting team, or is an Aaron Baines or a you know Daniel I mean, well, losing Daniel Tice really hurt. People don't realize how effective he was this year. He well, was really valuable because Brad is very good with coaching skill bigs. Tice is a guy who's a skill big, but he's a hard rolling big who can finish above the rim. You can throw him lobs. He's always a threat in terms of like when he rolls hard to the mm -hmm. rim. Baines, not so much. Al Horford can play above the rim, but he's more of like a skill big. Sure. You know, it's like... And Tice is very versatile defensively. He's very versatile. They, I was they very missed impressed. that a lot in the playoffs. I was very impressed by him when I was in Boston. You know, I'm a guy who's who's very prideful in the last kind of three roster spots, you know, like in terms of like 
can Nader, Gershon, Yabuselli, and Semi Ojale really be guys that you can trust to throw in there and produce? I'm a big Nader fan. Sure. I think that kid. I like him. I, he's got good size. He can shoot. Um, I think he's a guy who needs to be fully confident in order for for you know for us to see what he can truly you do. You can tell, yeah. Um, but you know he's still got some upside, man. I I think he can can be a far better pick and roll player than people think. Um, even though this will be his third year as a pro, and uh, you know I think he's a dude. If you invest a lot in his development, he can ultimately help you. I think unfortunately, if I had to choose, because I've had this conversation with a lot of my friends at home. I would probably choose Marcus Smart over Terry. Wow. Not because I think he's a better player or anything like that, but to me, he brings things to the table that Terry's not bringing. But the thing is about that, man, this is not my bias because I love Marcus. Like, me and Marcus have a relationship. Uh, I, I think I'm on the same page. But, like, Terry, what Terry brings to the table, is it margin? Like, how much, how much worse is it? Than what Mark what Marcus brings, like I, in my opinion, I think it's marginally worse. Like the dude Terry makes big time motor plays too, but like, defensive versatility, like yeah, Marcus can guard like anybody in the no, fucking he, league. No, he can, he can guard, he can guard. You know, and to me, Terry's more valuable trade wise. I think you're getting more back for Terry, hundred percent, because he's going to be a starting point guard in the NBA, 100%. where Marcus isn't. Yeah, and I think Terry's going to cost more money too. So that's for those reasons. And because I think I almost think the decision for me, even though I know they're not going to do it, the decision for me comes down to Terry or Kyrie. I that, feel that's like that's a tough one, though. I, I, I well, really do, though, because we could we could if we could get rid of Kyrie, we would have so much more money to do other things with and keep the young guys because Kyrie's not if always you could healthy. Trade Kyrie for Towns. Would you do it in a second? No, I'm not. I'm not a huge Towns guy. Because he's, he's not a great defensive player. Um, I haven't watched enough Towns defensively. There's certain guy. I, I, I'm not saying get rid of Kyrie. I'm not that guy. And everyone's pointing to Game 7 and saying that's the reason why we need Kyrie and that's why you can't trust a young guy. Look at how they shot. Marcus, Terry, Jalen, they all shot like 0 for 87. Yeah. I was at the game. I went to three oh, of those Cavs game? games. Yeah. yeah. That was a tough one, man. Tough one. Very tough. Um, all right, on to the next question. Believe me, I want to keep everybody. I'm a big Terry fan. I, I bought I bought the Scary Terry draws. I had the draws on earlier this week, Oof. and I got my girl the Scary Terry T-shirt. I'm very, I'm a Terry fan. I didn't even know Terry had underwear. Yep, PSD. It's um, oh yeah, yeah, PSD. Kyrie yeah. and Jimmy yeah, Butler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Shout out Greg Levy, the plug. He works for uh, PSD. He like is an investor, I think. Cool. What coach have you learned the most from in your career? Yeah, you know, I've I've learned a lot from the guys that I've been around. Learned a lot from this, you know, the limited time I spent with Brad. Learned a lot from the time I spent with D'Antoni this summer. But you know, really, just you know, the guy I've that I've really learned a ton from, and he is going to be a phenomenal coach. And ultimately, I think he's got a chance to be a head NBA coach. Is Cody Toppert. You know, in terms of like X's and O's, you know, offensively, I don't think there's a better dude out there. Really? Who's the most eccentric guy you've trained? I would say the most eccentric guy I've trained uh, is maybe Elijah Stewart from USC. This year's pre-draft class. I, I love the kid. Uh, he's got a hell of a personality, hell of a sense of humor. I'm a big fan. You know, eccentric. Sometimes you 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 quantitate with negative. It's not negative by any means. I like Elijah. I like Tim Quarterman a lot. TQ. 
They, yeah. They're eccentric on the court or off? Both. Yeah, a little TQ, bit of both. TQ, the juice man. You know, he's a uh, he's a character man, but a really good dude and got a great heart and a great soul, and I'm, I'm a big fan, so. Who's the most underrated player in the NBA? Interesting question. Joe Ingles? <laughs> it's not uh, a bad it's not a bad statement at yeah, all. Yeah, I mean, it depends on like what level. Uh, you know, I think like what Vic Oladipo got thirteen. Yeah, he got he got ripped off. But you off know, there. who knows if if you know if he does he sustain? You know what I'm saying? We've seen this before. Sure. Like, does he sustain is the ultimate question. You know, I don't think there's that many like non talked about dudes. I think like a guy like Kemba Walker maybe if he ultimately finds you know a better situation or if they get better players around him. Like, I mean, he did. He did essentially carry those uh, Steve Clifford teams, you know, the last playoff team they had three years ago when they took the Heat, what, to seven. I think he really showed his worth. You know, I think he's the type of dude who needs to be in a better situation. I think the guy, like, who people talk about a lot, obviously, but don't really understand the full extent of how good he can be is Devin Booker. And, like, I think, like, right now he, in terms of improvement, if you look at the numbers – like he's he's on a similar trajectory to James Harden, and I think like once they have a, you know, the Phoenix Suns have a you know a finite system in philosophy, which I think they they do have now with Igor, like you're gonna see a much even more productive player. If I had to, th- I didn't even really think about this, but if I had to throw somebody in the ring, I'm just gonna throw Drew Holiday in the ring. Yeah, that's a good one. I think he's when when healthy. As you know, one of the best guys in the league. Yeah. Somebody you've worked with in the past that didn't make it to the league, and you're really surprised. Now maybe they might still be working there, and they're gonna get there through a circuitous route. But you somebody know, you thought would stick. A guy in my mind, and this is rant, maybe random to some, but that I'm surprised hasn't at least put himself in a position to be talked about as being an NBA player is Angel Rodriguez from University of Miami. I think like. Coming out, he was the type of dude, had he been in the G League playing high-volume minutes like and just played that fast-paced game, I think ultimately he would have given himself a platform to have a chance. Was he ultimately an NBA player? Maybe, maybe not, but I think he's a dude based on his resume and who he's gone up against his whole career and what he did in the ACC. Like I think he was the type of dude who, had he been given a chance just based on the way he plays, like... You don't find guys that like are in your shit all you know all game you know and like you know he obviously has his limitations but I just think you know he was the type of dude who kind of got a raw a raw deal he was in a bad summer league situation and you know it's hard man you know once you fall off the radar it's hard to get it's very very hard to get back on especially when you're that you know you're not you don't have the size you don't have the length you know you're not you know an NBA athlete quote-unquote but I think he's the kind of guy who got robbed um were you around for Shane Lockin I was were you at UM with no I w- no sorry I wasn't I wasn't that was a year before I got there okay so yeah. I would say he compares somewhat to Shane yeah. I feel like Shane's a little superior uh quickness wise yeah I think so too but I mean Angel also has more of like a dog in him so believe. it's like I agree I think he to me Angel and it's ironically enough his comp is like J.J. Barea, I, I think who I so. grew up watching at like, Northeast. Not grew up, but my friend played with him at Northeast, and I, I was again, at a lot of those games. And Angel, if you're listening to this, and I'm going to make sure you listen to this because <laughs> it's you know you're my guy. But go play in the G League next year, man. Play in the G League. We'll see what happens.
Keep it G. Yeah. We keep it hun- a hundo over here. We need you to keep it G. <laughs> uh, MJ or LeBron? Aesthetically, MJ. Production-wise, I mean, I just think over in terms of overall production. Who's the GOAT? I'm going to go with MJ. Okay. You're a millennial, so I wasn't sure what I was going to get there. No, I get MJ. Who you got in a steel cage match? Scary Terry versus Marcus Smart. Oh, Scary Terry. I love Scary, but Marcus. Y'all, you guys yeah. always take, like, scary. Terry's like a, he's, he, he, you know, he's, he's sneaky, man. <laughs> he'll come, he'll run up on you. You won't even know what happened. Now, you think that one was an easy one. This one's tough. Jeff Van Gundy versus Stan Van Gundy in a steel cage match. Have you see, ever seen the Isle, Isle of Van Gundy's? That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, Reggie Jackson's uh, doing a show with me. He's a friend of mine, and he's oh, playing uh, for Stan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, he was telling me some. It, when he saw himself on the Isle of Van Gundy, he was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. You know? That shit's hilarious, though. That, that was a funny episode, man. Who you got, Jeff or Stan? I got, I got Stan. You got Stan? I, I think he's got the weight. I think Stan just advantage. has a more dominant personality, and he'll just kind of assert himself all over Jeff. <laughs> Who got, who's got the craziest hops you've been around? Because you've been around some Derek, guys that Derek can get Jones out. Jr., yeah, I was for say. sure. I got Derek Jones Jr., Dennis Smith, uh, and Sheldon. Sorry, how am I saying, how am Sheldon, I'm right? saying that's even for sure? Dennis Smith Jr., he is the most insane. I would say he's the most insane athlete. Like, like Derek's known for his dunks. Pound for pound. I mean, Derek. Yeah, Derek. I've just never seen a dude... At that size, and Dennis Smith Jr. get off the ground that quickly. Yeah, it's he like, has quick hops. It's phenomenal, and especially off of two feet, like it's crazy. You know, Derek at at legit six seven to, to see the thing he he do he does is definitely impressive. But you know, they're both unbelievably superior athletes. Yeah, I'd say in person, I'm gonna go give Dennis that that award right there. Who would you build your team around? You're starting from scratch. It's not like you have their current teams. You got Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell. Jason Tatum. That's not a biased answer. No. Okay. Jason Tatum, I take Jason. I don't. I don't. I don't see how you build your team around Ben. The guy can't shoot. No. Don, I like a lot, but I just. Yep. I just think Jason is just. I mean, this guy has a chance to be a once in a lifetime type player. Yeah. You know. So. Highly skilled. Last question. Oh, no, 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 no. We have two questions. Cool. Top five. Top five rappers of all time. Oh, rappers. Yeah. I'm going to put my You're guy. You're a top five. I'm going to put my guy AZ on there. Asiatic. Number one. Notorious B.I.G. Man, this is a tough question. I'm a big Nas fan. I got to go to the to the South for some of this. Yeah. I'm a, I don't know if you necessarily consider him a rapper, and this is obviously going to you know frustrate a lot of people, but I am a big Devin the Dude fan. Yeah, yeah, he's a rapper. Huge Devin the Dude fan. I was Uh, talking to this girl one time, and she was like, look, I've been around the block. I've been with celebrities and whatnot. And I'm like, oh, okay. And she's like, you want to know who I've been with? And I'm like, I didn't ask the question. She was like fishing, and she wanted me to ask. And then she threw it out there. She said, I was with Devin the Dude once. Really? It was like, come on. Isn't Devin like 50 now? I think. Yeah, he's old as hell. I'm trying to think. I mean, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I mean those four, and then probably got to throw like, you got to throw Pac in there, like, you got to. So there you go. I like that. I like that the AZ was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm a big AZ fan. The firm. Um, and your death row meal. 
That's the last question. Oof. I'd probably nah, say I'll ask you one more before we do death row meal. Best pizza in Boston? Armando's. Armando's Ar in? Armando's in Cambridge or uh, Pinocchio's in Cambridge and Harvard Square. Okay. Those two. All right. I See, like, Cambridge is like, I mean, I've spent some time in Cambridge. I have friends that live there and whatnot. But, like, it's almost like a different place. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm yeah. from the suburbs anyway. But when we hang out, we don't go to Cambridge. So yeah. I miss a lot of the Cambridge good stuff is, in Cambridge. Cambridge is dope. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in Cambridge. Cambridge is cool, man. Death row meal. Death Probably row meal. This salmon, this salmon that my mom makes in the summers with like this teriyaki glaze, it's crazy. On the grill or on oven? the grill? On the grill. On the grill. Probably that with some risotto, and uh, yeah. What are you drinking with it? Probably gonna drink like a little glass of. I don't even know. Like, I sometimes say I want a glass of red wine, but I like I'm not the biggest wine guy. Yeah. Probably just take some sparkly water with some lemon. Okay. <laughs> That's hey, it. Simple touch. If that's you know? what you want. I'm not going to no jail, though. No death row for me. <laughs> nah, I don't see it happening. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you, man. That was Nick Friedman of The Preparation and also of The G League. I think we'll be hearing a lot more from Nick in basketball circles. He's young. And I'm pretty sure he's going to have a career in the NBA. So it's good to have him before he gets there. And uh, nobody knows who he is because I'm pretty sure he's going to be a household name around the league. He's uh, very knowledgeable and uh, very good at developing basketball talent. Keep an eye out for some of his guys in the draft on Thursday night. Kevin Knox, Dang Adele, Ray Spaulding. Some of these guys uh, got a real shot at doing some things in the league. So good luck, Nick, and good luck with the preparation. And let's get Scary Terry ready for next season. Celts got to bring another championship home. Been a while. Also, thanks to those who continue to share Keeping It a Hundo. Got to give my shout-outs. Stanley, a.k.a. One Night Stan from Chicago. Appreciate you spreading the word. Obviously, Principal Cobbs up in uh, Fishtown in Gloucester. And uh, Clean John. We got we got John Shaky Reigns. He's been he's been spreading the word about keeping it a hundo. We're gonna have him on for another episode uh, in the next sometime this summer and see what's going on with him. And also the big Bill Boski. Good looking out, Big Billy. And lastly, uh, I gotta thank Aaron Winchell for helping put this podcast together another guy that we used to hoop with uh, a former U, U Miami grad assistant that used to work with Nick another Boston guy as well thanks for helping make this happen Aaron and as we know the summertime is kind of the sports downtime you got a lot of NBA free agent talk of course it's baseball and football preseason will be starting up so I'm going to do a lot of uh, non-sport related podcasts. So look out for those. We've got some good ones coming up. Make sure you're downloading and subscribing. I need to get those numbers up. Show your support. And we'll have another podcast next week. I'm Matty Hundo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>